Word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory. If you aren't caught up with us yet, that would be through chapter 29 of Jade War by Fonda Lee, the second installment of the Greenbone Saga, the critically acclaimed urban fantasy series that has concluded with Jade Legacy. Pick up the hardcover today at your local bookstore or not. I, I don't know. I've, I wanted to keep rambling, but I don't have anything else to really say. I I right now I'm just kind of holding Crossland hostage. I can see him squirming, and I know he wants to say something it's or cut me something, and he's not going it's to. It's <laughs> filibuster. A second word to the wise here. This week's reading touches on some potentially triggering subjects, and specifically in chapter 27, there is a discussion of sexual assault. We, during our discussion of this chapter, will do our absolute best to broach this subject with the care it deserves. We wanted to drop a little heads up to all you lovely listeners out there. Hey there, this is Cross. And I'm PJ, and I'm also going to continue this filibuster and not let any of the other (laughs) co-hosts. All right. I hope this doesn't happen the whole episode. (laughs) I'm Ben. I'm Aaron. And I am Thomas. And apparently we're NPR, and we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran novice readers like we tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. I think I'm just going to start saying it faster each time until I can't, like, no, try to get through it in one breath. So, yeah, we're going to speed it up. Yeah. I think that counts as training, right? It might count as training. Breath control. It might count as training. Yeah. Wim Hof method, but talking out loud. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us on. Yep. Yeah, we almost didn't invite (laughs) you back after last week, but yeah. What happened last week? Man, I don't know. You guys hated on Hilo too much. I'm just kidding. Well, I'll be hating this week. I'll tell you. A lot of hate this week. A lot of hate this week? Is that what you said? (laughs) Well, we got our boy Barrow back, so. Yeah. Oh, true, true, Mm -hmm. true, true. Our boy (laughs) is back. But today, of course, as PJ had mentioned in his long rambly beginning, is the fourth episode of Jade War, and we're going to be talking about chapters 22 through 29. But before we get too much further, PJ, I would love it if you could talk through your cocktail. (laughs) So I had plans to create a cocktail that was actually going to be the same as what I did on the Frugal Wizard short pour. That's Brandon Sanderson's second secret project, and we just recorded that one, and I knew... Damn it, I've got the ingredients for that, so let's do it. And I used my last lime in that, so I didn't have those ingredients. So I just made a lemon drop, an ounce and a half of vodka, half an ounce of triple sec, an ounce of simple syrup, and an ounce of lemon juice, or an ounce and a half of lemon juice. I don't know what the proper ratios are. I think this is probably going to be a little bit too sweet. With an ounce and a half, especially considering I do the like rich simple syrup so I can keep it out of the fridge at two parts sugar to one part water. So it's going to be sweet. I know that, but I haven't tasted it yet. I guess I can do that now. Nice glass. Looks pretty. It is beautiful, sweet, but not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Tastes like a lemon drop candy. Straight hmm. up. So... I don't know if that's the intention of this drink. Send one my way. John's been making lemon drops. They're pretty good. Yeah. Overall, not disappointed with it. 
I like lemon drop shot. Mm. Good one. I think it's pretty much, it's a very similar recipe, right? It's the same to me. Anyway, Ben and Aaron, what are you guys having? Uh, we're both drinking beer. I'm drinking Brad AF by City Barrel Brewing. I am drinking, I took a picture of it. The local brewery. 21st Thanks. Amendment Brewery. Brew free or die, bitch. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> it's a blood orange IPA. It's brewed right. with blood oranges, it says. Wow. It's, Is it it good? tastes very good. You're almost done with it. What's the 21st Amendment? Is that the one where it's like everybody can vote now? If you don't know, no, I don't know. Ask Thomas. That's the 15th. The 21st is the, oh my God. History guy. 21st Amendment. I don't know. Come on, Thomas. I do know. Oh, that was the unbanning of alcohol. Sorry, that was really loud. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was the suspension of the, yeah. Yep. That makes sense. The end of prohibition. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Jeez. Glad that flash hit my brain. Which one? 21st? 21st, -hmm. yeah. And you're 21 to drink. Easy to remember. Wow, yeah. Wow. How about that? I will remember it that way from now on for approximately one week before it exits my brain. <laughs> How about that? Speaking of apples, I oh, am no. drinking a hard cider from a local cidery, I guess you'd call them. Yeah. Awestruck, made with, of course, the finest apples anywhere in the world. New York State apples. How about apples. them apples? <laughs> finest apples anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the really? world, yep. All grown mm-hmm. in the great state of New York. And, you know, it's pretty good. The Honeycrisp disagrees with you a little bit, but that's fine. They, we grow them here. Okay, fair enough. It's delicious. Let me tell you something, though. <laughs> 312 calories. Adeline. Too many calories. So I Ciders are one. outrageously caloric. Yeah, mm-hmm. very, very fair. How about you? I am having a textbook Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley. It's literally called textbook, and it does taste exactly like a middle-of-the-road <laughs> cab sauv. It is precisely as billed, and I, I'm only disappointed that I feel like I paid more than textbook price for this <laughs> wine, but that's fine. Nice label, good wine. Yeah. Coolish Solid. bottle. Excited. It's a pretty cool bottle. The logo's pretty neat. Simple enough, but... I've got a back half beer. It is Fluffhead by Block 15 Brewing. It's a really pretty can. I have not yet opened it, but it's a hazy like, IPA. So. It looks like a sour candy, kind of, the can. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like... Like a lollipop, but it's a warhead mountain landscape with a waterfall inside of a mouth. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Well, before we get going too far here, I would love to hear what you guys' thoughts were on this week's reading. What would you think? Given it's only been like three days since last time we talked, but you know. I had some ups and I had some downs. A lot of revelations. Reveling themselves. Hmm. Revealing? Yeah. I preferred reveling. Yeah, this this felt like a building tension week. Yeah. As opposed to a like a lot not not a whole lot of like significant action happens. There's just a lot of like setup. There there's some some minor action and some big reveals and things as stated. There was a big release in that first chapter. I was going to say hey, no. big release. Hey, no. <laughs> That's, I was waiting for PJ to stop talking to say there was a climax. <laughs> <laughs> Me, you're going to need to cut us out. We're the 
triple X. No, we love it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I believe we thought you guys were afraid of the lewd jokes that we made, and so we cut ourselves. It was out, a little bit premature climax, though. For being yeah. honest, first timer. It's a little fast. Can you blame him? No, not at all. I mean, cool. All right. Oh, quick and dirty, just like Andon. With that, like let's Corey. get into chapter 22. <laughs> Corey, yeah, you're right. Corey, that's it. Good point. Good point. Chapter 22, The Grudge Hall. So back in Port Massey, returned to Andon having joined Koru's Rayleigh Ball team and generally building himself something of a home in this Greenbone community. Later, we visit The Grudge Hall, an underground Greenbone gambling den underneath their community center. After a brief exchange with a pair of police officers, Andon is surprised when Corey advances on him. Him. This is the longest chapter of the week. I think it's the longest chapter of the book so far. It's very big, encompasses a ton of things. But yeah, I, I guess there's there's a lot to talk about. But Relay Ball is kind of the start of this whole thing. What do you guys think of the presentation of sports on the other continent of Spania? I didn't have too much of a thought about it. I was kind of interested by the other names. I forgot what they were, but the they Rockets, named off I like think. three or four sports. sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, huh. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like a rec league where like everyone's playing to have fun and Corey makes a point of like when there's people get heated and he's like, hey, this is all. He said, I'm a chill bro and we're all chill bros here. Yeah, we're just chilling. <laughs> we're just having fun. Rec league. This isn't for keeps. Um, mm-hmm. Which is fun. It's not, there's no like. And in opposition to his. Kekanese nature. Yes, yeah. Or Very modern. Race. I thought it was yeah. interesting they like trusted that the people with hidden under belly button jade, jade to not j- not jade themselves. To not use a little lightness jade out. here and there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can I, I actually have a bone to pick about this. So, okay. you know, they're playing, they're playing a competitive sport, right? It's a contact sport. Belly button, you're like, you know, when you're playing sports, your shirt comes up sometimes. I feel like. Or you wipe your face. Yeah. I feel like it's pretty remarkable that after months and months of intense athletic feats and competition, Andon's never seen Corey's stomach. That is because, I mean, it hasn't yet been revealed, but relay ball uniforms are jumpsuits. I was gonna say, what if this? What if the style is like the fifties, high waisty pants? He's also probably like consciously hiding it, which would make some sense. But yeah, hmm. since it's illegal, you don't I want see, the yeah peepers to see. I did see another world where that's the revelations during a game of relay ball. It like his shirt rides up, and then Andon finally figures it out. There are a couple of like other small things that get dropped throughout here too. A slang that we start picking up on, calling people crumbs, and and specifically referring to and and occasionally as crumb. Got toppers, right? That it's toppers, and uh, among some other things that kind of just ingratiate us in this in this sort of society and understand that it is very different. It is more chill, bro, of an atmosphere than KCON is for sure. As far I as was totally right. going to call you guys crumbs at the beginning of the episode, but absolutely just forgot to so <laughs> i was gonna call you guys hoes at the beginning of the episode but totally forgot oh. to well, you're a hoe <laughs> but, but we we do make it to the oh go ahead we said but at the same time fun. <laughs> do we do we say but 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 this is why to thomas's point if you're gonna have a secret piercing why isn't it a prince albert <laughs> okay 
True. <laughs> that was that was my yep. bet. What Still could have revealed it to Andon at the same time, potentially. Hey, hey, no. hey. If things went a little bit differently. <laughs> and only like three percent differently. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wouldn't be a massive change. Yeah. Totally. We do eventually make it to the Grudge Hall, of course, and there's gambling on cockfights and a number of other things that are going on there. But then there are also two different duels, a genuine seeming clean bladed duel and then something that feels more reminiscent of like two friends wrestling, which I think it's fun to see kind of this juxtaposition. I don't know what you guys what you guys think of the the Grudge Hall. I was disappointed about the cockfighting because that is very much animal abuse. Didn't love it either. Didn't love it. I'm kind of thinking the cockfighting is the cover-up for their actual duels, clean blades. So maybe like they're not into cockfighting either, but they want the Espenians to think of them as like country folk. Yeah. I I feel like we would have heard more about cockfighting on KCON. Had that been like actually a major part of their culture, but we're also in there like a major city, modernized city, as opposed to like on the outskirts. I don't know. In, mm-hmm. in Jade City, when the Nopeat comes down from the mountain to strike at the mountain clan, we go to Gaunt Ash's point of view, and he is like at a cockfighting bar ah. and also has mm-hmm. like prized fighting cocks. Cocks. Yeah. Yeah. So it is it is they're, an intrinsic part of their ash. culture for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Don't love it. Definitely. Yeah. But Aaron, it, to your point, I do think there is some of that cover up going on for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it totally bears that that signal, especially given, you know, the way that we see the rest of it play out. Yeah, because they're so far removed from their roots in other ways that like it does make sense that they're like like playing the cockfighting fighting up to cover the rest of it. Like, mm-hmm. why else would you have a ring if you're not biting? Mm-hmm. Right. True. That makes that makes total sense. And I'm I'm with you. It's sad to see. I I think the cover up works well. But what I found the most interesting about this section of this story is kind of the the counterpoint to when Shay goes and visits Andon after her time in Espenia and is like remarking on how polite the crowds are at the sporting event when she's watching him play relay ball as opposed to the Espenian. And now we get Andon on the other side at a sporting event, different type of sporting event in the crowd remarking on how grossly like enamored and loud the crowds are. It was, I thought that was a fun side by side. I mean, it's a, books apart or a book apart but still kind of i think he was mostly upset because it was a farce like it was like a mm-hmm. they were play dueling mm-hmm. yeah there there are definitely elements of both of it of both of that right where it's like why are you like making a mockery of something that's super serious and like you just saw something kind of semi-serious go down you know and, but then at the same time, it is very evocative of what Shay was describing in a in a different context of like they cheer for very different reasons. Yeah. There's also the it shade that he throws. Of like, like yeah. these are fifth years, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It, I know. I was thinking it, like if he just put on his little bracelet 
He could throw down. Yeah, I know. Mm. If he put on, like, probably one stone, people. he could probably rock them all. It reminded me immediately of, like, WWE. Like, it, it was much more of a showmanship kind of game, especially in the way that they made it intentionally more dramatic to sort of play it up versus the first duel of which was kind of, like, just a bad duel is the way that it looked. Um, but the second one had that sort of... I, I said wrestling and, like, not professional wrestling, of course, but had that sort of element to it. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Ben would know. The call think, out, all of it was drama. Mm-hmm. Even Everything more than professional wrestling at the end of the day. Thank you. As it should be. <laughs> we should embrace it more. To me, it was very reminiscent of that, of course, but it was more reminiscent of like when you go to your friend's house and they have a trampoline or a pool and you're, you're recreating <laughs> the WWE moments. Yeah. That's what it felt like. That's fair. Child's play. That's fair. So we we quickly figure out that the difficulty of last week has been handled, of course. But then we we also find out shortly thereafter that the police have entered and that they are coming down the stairs very quickly. There's a lot of kind of reaction going on. He, you know, decides to sit down the boys of whom we're just about to leave. They're about to drive off to make sure that they don't stir or cause a scene. What do you guys make of the police scene, the bribe and everything else there? The biggest thing I wanted to point out was... I'm going to call him the horn. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Him standing up and like putting on gloves and sitting in the corner, like ahead of when the police actually come downstairs. Like this dude knows how to make, make a scene go away if it needs to. (laughs) (laughs) I was really excited for something to go down. Was that the dad, or I thought that was his fist that like went? It's his, yeah, it's his horn. He goes it's, and stands it, by the door. And, Andon says that he's like come to refer to him as the horn of okay. South Trap, but he doesn't like have a title like that. Officially. He was the one at dinner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I liked the acting by the wife. Mm-hmm. I can't remember their names either. Sana or something. They're the like Dauk family. Sana, Sana, yeah. Sana, Sana. Yeah, Dauk Sana. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was going to say, I think lots of women have used their acting skills to get out of tickets. So I personally have. <laughs> so I thought. I'm talking about the lawyer was, one? Huh? <laughs> that was just truth. That wasn't you. Nothing. <laughs> the murder one? What did you say? The, the lawyer, lawyer one? <laughs> no, no. This like, you know, I get pulled over yeah. and I didn't know my tags were expired. My, you know, my dad sends me those tags. Oh, tell your dad to send them. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for telling me. I'm 35 she, years old. She was like, no, that was <laughs> That was last year, Ben. <laughs> but the way she was like playing up, like, you know, being overly concerned, wringing mm-hmm. her hands, like, you know, showing your big brown eyes. I don't know. Your big brown eyes? Is that what you said? Her big brown eyes. Oh, okay. I got you. I don't know what color her eyes are. I'm just saying. Batting her eyelashes. Like, they knew, she knew that was her job was to go sweet talk and be all nervous and not show any, like, like, I don't know, arguing with the cops. Yeah. She was, like, running interference, I feel like. She was just, like, all over the place. I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. But it was all an act. She knew what to do. Yeah. And I'm sure she's done it every time. I agree with you. And the whole whole crowd knows what to do. Like, this whole crowd acts like a collective, 
like like a clan. They really act like a clan in a different way than the really sort of structured sense that we've seen from KCON, but they're a very tight knit community and just immediately passing around a hat, collecting an extra 400 units of currency Fail- on top of the fine failures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I a got church point currency units. Yeah. I'll get it at yeah. some point. I'll remember. It's, it's fascinating too the way that they treat the different ages, and that does get down to Doxana's Doxana's acting in that moment, and I think that that's really kind of what seals the deal. And it also goes back to last week where we got the comparison of like, oh, she's the weatherman. Like I can see that already, and this is very much weathermanly behavior to manage that side and like make sure that everyone's contributing to solve the problem. It was, it was clever. Mm-hmm. Well done. All right, so now we get to the hot and heavy of this week. <laughs> Corey, we've got a lot to talk about with Corey John here. And, you know, I, I kind of moved this all into one question so that we could just kind of talk about him on the whole as we see him over the course of the week. But now that we've spent more time with him, what do you think between, you know, the sexual encounter, his jade, his interaction, even with Tammy, Tommy at the grudge hall? What do we think of Corey? Do we think that Andon's still pissing and moaning about being in Espinia after this? <laughs> Well, he's definitely moaning. (laughs) Got him. Sweet baby Thomas. Not quite piss coming out of there. Oh, my God. I think that Andon is having a great time. Exactly. You should be thanking his entire family now. I think that Andon's going to fall in love. And Corey seems like a great guy. Very cool. Very chill whatever clearly very experienced gonna break the fuck out of this boy's heart i mean it's just he's pulling ladies onto his lap it's gonna be a problem there's gonna be a problem there's gonna i mean and gonna fall in love in like two weeks if not already if not already and and then Corey knows the way to a guy's heart. He's going to see Corey making out with somebody else, and he's just going to go grab a piece of jade and explode him or something. <laughs> Death blue. That's right. This is really this really is the villain villain origin story, is what you're suggesting. <laughs> it's going to be this is a problem for Andon, big time. Yeah, I think or for Corey. Well, I'm, I mean, Corey is fine. Corey's being Corey. Corey's doing his thing. Corey's a cool, chill bro. We talked about this. Yeah, he's in his hoe era. Yeah, he's not fine. He's he's. I just don't think Andon is ready for that or mature enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. Does anybody think that this isn't strictly friendly? To say it that way, like, does Do anybody think like that there's ulterior motivated? motives to this? Mm. I didn't get the vibe. I didn't get that vibe either. I didn't get that vibe either, but thinking about it i could see it i could see him knowing who andon is because his dad knows who andon is he did and seem later surprised. on he talks about knowing that he trained at the academy and knows that he was part of the call family like could be could be a grab for power in some way long game or his dad was right like, down the pants his dad PJ. was like hey get close to him wasn't Corey surprised though when his dad said that his dad was like, this guy's here from No Peak. And Corey's like, what? Oh, oh okay. That was, you know, yeah, months that ago. Was now months he's had time to steam. Yeah. PJ, yeah. when we learn of Andon's sexual orientation, his cousin, I believe, warns him that there could be men looking to use him for his position in the clan. 
Yes. Mm. Yes, he does. Mm. Is PJ mm. cooking? But you were stirring sneaky, that conspiracy sneaky. pot. I didn't personally get the vi- that vibe when I, I was reading, though. Corey has ambitions like that. That's he's why just, he's just like a he's just like a California yeah, surfer he's dude. A cool, chill bro. He, he didn't wear shoes. That's, I got the yeah. stoner vibe, kind of little, maybe a little fuckboy energy from him, but yeah, lawyer mm-hmm. stoner, which is the weirdest combination. Well, I've he's ever like read. a reluctant. He doesn't want to be a lawyer. Yeah, that's fair. His stupid sister is though. I have a point to bring up that I can't believe none of you have acknowledged yet. Our guy Andon is apparently hot. This is our first inclination True. of this. Corey says he looks like he walked out of a magazine. God bless. Like, good looks for our guy Andon. Literally. Yeah. Hmm. Or maybe he was a sweet talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel that. like Corey, Corey like would definitely sweet talk. Yeah. <laughs> Corey would sweet talk, but at the same time, yeah. I don't, I mean, he has no hmm. shortage of options, yeah. right? So, like, why would That's he not nah, pick out the hot right. kid? He blow smoke, yeah. He did say he was just the, sexy. Uh, the hot, gloomy kid. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to? That's true. Give me the sad one. Rudy ones. <laughs> Let me fix him up. Give me the sad one. I'll change him. <laughs> I can fix him. It'll be fine. Yeah, and it also, we get that brief flash, and we we do kind of know that he's attractive because of the friend that, like, attacked him that was, like, mm-hmm. really into him, the girlfriend that was, like, really into him on boat day before his abduction way back when. Mm. But... So we know that he's, we knew at the very least that he was attractive. Now it's like, oh, you're like a, a hottie with a body. Why did I say that? I don't know. Cool. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think Andon would wear his jade if he were to go green? Something like super lame. Something just super conservative. Yeah. Behind his knees. What? His piercings. <laughs> what? <laughs> like hidden jade he'd, or he'd if he was on take hide it. Yeah. He would just. <laughs> no, I think either way he'd hide it. Normal Jade, I feel like. He'd probably yeah. wear something he could take off in Wrists case he has and a... earrings and that yeah. kind of thing. Nothing Goth special. bracelet. Yeah. Goth like bracelet. Spiked. Two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Studded belt, but like... <laughs> yeah, with the... You know, the punk kind. Yeah. The punk kind. <laughs> Seatbelt also, maybe. Mm-hmm. A seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Is Andon going to build his sexual personality around Roadhead now? Like you can only do it. Can, in I, the car. can I answer that? Yes. Raffo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll take that. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Good work. And that brings us intrepidly to chapter 23 Scrap Pickers. We cut to Barrow, now a supervisor of an illicit jade pitting operation and at least slightly more in control of his ill-gotten jade powers. He and Moot argue about whether the job is worth their time, only to be interrupted by approaching mountain greenbones. Barrow and Moot flee, leaving many of their workers behind, but are captured by now Suenzen and several of the fingers before ultimately being released to deliver a message back to Soradio. I would be very, very content if the pinnacle that Barrow achieves is middle management. <laughs> I like that take. <laughs> I love Sora Dio's name for the record. Sora I think Dio. it sounds so great. Saying it is fun. Now, um, now Sue is a good name yep. too. Yeah. The, the full now thing Sue throws me good. off a little bit, but now Sue I like it. Now it's like Sue Swinson. Yeah. yeah. Swinson. Yeah. 
there's an interesting tidbit right off the bat that we learn that lightness and strength are easiest for novice, or at least seems to be the new green at least, to control because they are cued by physical actions. That just makes good sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I kick and I stretch because I'm 50. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that from? I genuinely don't know. It's Molly Shannon. SNL. Right. It's like a particular skit. Just kicking. Okay. Okay. I feel like Steel. I've seen that you one. could okay. you could argue would fall into that category. It as seems well. like it seems like you just trying to do the weird like, like, clenched, like, ah, like ah, but apparently not. Well, I mean, there's you learn there's like the interesting um, mobility associated with steel, like being able to position it and focus it and stuff like that. But the base level, yeah. And then oh. when you kill people, you just point at them. That seems pretty straightforward. <laughs> Think really hard if you're Andon. Yeah. Pew 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 pew. If I could do that, I would like totally just fuck with people all the time. I would just always do the finger guns. Just be like, pew, 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 pew. Uh, oh, are green bones allowed to do finger guns? That's, we need to know. <laughs> Why not? Because they'll kill people. I wonder like if they're expecting it to they, hmm, this is, we're going down a rabbit hole. Let's <laughs> climb our way back up. Again, early on, we did a nice little reminder if we needed one, which I don't think we did personally, but maybe some did. Barrow, evil guy, right? Him and his boy Moot tried to channel into a dog to kill it in order to test their abilities. Curse this man. I think you had some thoughts. Good riddance on him getting bitten after, (laughs) after the attempt. Fuck that. Deserved it assuredly. Hope it gets infected and he dies. Wouldn't that be be something? (laughs) That'd be something. Good on that dog. Take revenge. Seek vengeance. Can dogs wear jade? I don't think so. No. I mean, they could wear it. It just wouldn't work. (laughs) I wonder, though, what, like, the, if it does anything. We are tangent central today. (laughs) That's not good. Listen, we got a little bit of jade lore, and now we're spiraling. We want to know more. If the Kekanese are the only bloodline in humans then i doubt mm-hmm. that it has evolutionary branched to animals, Into animals. fine fair fair Could unless call. you feed him F- sn1 also we're putting you in the corner <laughs> time out time out i'm gonna go take care of my dogs who are now barking <laughs> oh well. dads did you try to channel into them that would explain a lot he's gonna go get bit. Or put jade on them so the opening of this chapter is sort of framed around the barrow, like kind of ruminating while the jade pitchers are doing their business. And so we did a kind of a flashback to the previous summer and how him and Barrow, him and Moot had started down this path. And there's an interesting quote that's just like business as usual for Barrow that I wanted to highlight. Last summer, Barrow and Moot had been brought into a room in a disused gym along with a couple of other new rockfish initiates. In front of Sorodeo and each other, each man pricked his bottom lip with a clean knife and kissed a slip of parchment paper with his name written on it. The papers were held held together over a candle, burning their wet blood and sealing their pledges of loyalty and silence to T. Paswiga. Barrow pretended to take it seriously, but he smirked to himself. They were acting like kids joining a secret club, even though they only... Even though they were only here to get money and jade, same as what everyone wanted. 
Nothing secret or special about that. I got I got an idea on this guy. I think there was some level of sleight of hand between when they like handed in their pieces of paper with their blood and names on it and when the paper got burnt. I think somebody has a large stack of blood and names and it's going to be somehow used against them. Do you think they're up to DNA yet? Or blood magic? I don't know. One of the two. Maybe it's just straight up McCarthyism. In my hand, I have a list of 50 enlisted rockfish. <laughs> That's a decent impression, actually. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say that I thought this was pretty good from Barrow. <laughs> Fuck these guys. This is a dumb secret club that they're trying to make special. And it's not. But you can tell he's getting smarter because he's playing along. He's get, He like understands the underworld he's, now. Yeah. He's learning how to not be a dumbass right from the start. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's made enough Does mistakes that this you to him at all? <laughs> it's <laughs> helping. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's making him more tolerable to be around. That's for sure. Yeah. Trying to kill dogs. Still not a good move. Yeah. Because he doesn't love dags. Dags. Good snatch reference. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I agree, though, Ben. I thought, you know, for once, he kind of saw to the heart of the matter and saw... That it was all just bullshit. They're trying to be cool like they're in some Jade clan. Yeah. But they're not. <laughs> I just so, so badly want there to be a a bigger conspiracy going on <laughs> that he's going to get like pinned down because of. I had a couple of thoughts, but that's perhaps for a later chapter. What do we think about the way Zapunio, through his representatives, is carrying out his operation? It's pretty sophisticated. We got like the plan of bringing in the UEN workers, the local supervisors. All that kind of tangled web. Well, I thought Panda Lee did a good job of introducing us to Zapuno first. Uh, and then we meet Sordio. So it's we we meet this new group of people with in memorable ways. So you can see the pyramid with Barrow at the bottom. I don't I don't think that Zapuno's operation there's certain parts of it that don't seem sophisticated because it seems they could obviously be shut down like the mining. Um, but then you see the buttons on the fake clothes or the mm-hmm. under the ice thing. And it's like, okay, he's getting sneaky. So Yeah, I do think some of the later chapter stuff bled into my rationale with that question because we do see like the buttons are, that's pretty hardcore. And then like yeah. all the other little wrinkles of how they go about the smuggling Mm -hmm. it definitely throughout all of this solidifies that sort of inkling that we had or that impression that we had uh last section of zapuno kind of being a stand-in for like a central american south american like drug lord and kind of being modeled off of that i definitely think so I think there's also something about this chapter that I really appreciated, which is that we really see one of Fonda's biggest strengths here. This world is just so incredibly huge and dense with all of these interactions. And she does a very good job of like telling us about just enough and then showing us the right ones. So there's there's a good balance of show and tell just because there would simply be way too much if you wrote this out. You'd have more words than Brandon Sanderson has written in the Stormlight Archive so far to to do the same sort of storytelling. So I think I think she's got a good balance. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
and memorable characters. Oh, without a doubt. Like Barrow. Fucking Barrow. Fucking Barrow. Another interesting tidbit we learn is that on this job, at least, Moot has killed and Barrow hasn't yet. Barrow shot the graveyard guy. Yeah. He did. Right? No, Barrow shot no, him. Barrow shot him. Barrow shot him. Oh, that's right. Moot, Moot crashed him. him with the rock. Yeah. 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 And then Barrow gave him a pew pew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, little baby Moot. He's a killer now, too. He ain't afraid. Not afraid. He's got thick yeah. blood. I really can't wait till he just tries to go up against the makes and they like flick him away. Like, <laughs> it is. So, and that's. We get to the argument with Moot and Barrow. And Moot's like, you know, why are we doing this? We should be training so we can take down the makes. And. You know, he was just wants, he's like, you know, we got a little money. We got a little bit. We can move on. And Barrow's like, we need Jade. What do you mean? And I was just kind of like, <laughs> you don't think it'd be a good idea to get more Jade to take on the mates? <laughs> I Vengeance never <laughs> fulfills your whole grief hole. Mm-hmm. Grief hole. <laughs> Makes it worse, right? Hashtag. Hashtag. Not, Hashtag grief hole. Not glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's okay. interested in glory hole? Hashtag very grief hole. Is it glory hole? <laughs> yes. Corey. Hashtag glory hole. Hashtag wow. grief hole. Wow. Hashtag anded. They are right next to each other, so you've got to be careful. <laughs> Hashtag moving on. Seeing this sort of, you know, Barrow, not the best partner, right? He has lasted longer with Moot than others, it seems. But. You can't use lasted longer after we just talked about Corey. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no pun intended. Here's the thing. Twelve. A lot of argument, arguing earlier we did it. Barrow, not the f- most favorable thoughts on Moot. Curious how, if you guys have any inkling about how this partnership ends, if you think seeds are being sown now or no thoughts. I can see Barrow throwing Moot under the bus and getting Moot killed. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be like he's going to get frustrated with him at one point and just like Jade Fevery snap on him and Moot's going to kick the can at that point. Either kick the can or turncoat snitch on him. I just don't think you can partner with Barrow and make it out alive. That's fair. (laughs) Barrow is kind of enemy number one for everyone around him. It does seem that way. Or at least threat number one or should be. Mm-hmm. And then in within that argument, we get the first sort of look of Barrow and perception going on. And it's interesting to see just how weak his perception is in comparison to a seasoned Greenbone, but it does still exist and it tips him off. Maybe, I mean, not super well, but it does tip him off. And then the Greenbones rush in and we get a very short but stunning display of Greenbone action, Greenbone abilities here. Why can't somebody just kill Barrow? Like, I still don't understand why they let him go. Sending a message, Ben. Right. Like, you can't send a message with a dead body? I mean... Or, like, all the dead bodies? Yeah. Where they already killed everybody? Like, what just have... message did he deliver, exactly? Or kill Barrow, and then I guess they, he the sent the message one. that they wanted to, like, meet up with Zapunia. Yeah. Yeah. Do okay. business. I mean, they could have written a note... Or like yeah. spelled shit out with the bodies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me fucking kill this guy, please. Yeah. Could have just please let, kill like, 
this one kid's like lipping off to you talking about how he has tall lawns jade just chill that one and let the other one who's like younger and you'd be like you know maybe we can forgive him he got laid let us try by this guy let that one go and be the messenger but nope we need them both for some reason thanks now sue but now swenzen mm-hmm. could see that they were wearing nice jade and that they believed it that they were they, wearing they weren't lying because he yeah. can almost read minds i thought that was cool and he's like you believe you have Lon's Jade, and he's like, you know, you're going to wish I killed you. That's pretty scary. Yeah. I It felt short-sighted to me a little bit. To to Like, it still seems like he's dismissing it. Like, you believe mm-hmm. this is called Lon's, but doesn't Barrow say something like he, he took it off of Kal Lon's grave or off his body, like, personally, and he believes that also? Like it, it's it so feels unbelievable, like he's though, being dismissed. He is being dismissed because it's like so unbelievable that this little rat could take down one of the most powerful men in the country. But I think now Swenzen, I've say his whole name, is <laughs> <laughs> maybe considering that he could use that info to like trade hmm. with the makes later on. Like, well, you're looking for this guy. This kid said he had it. He works for Zapunio. I like that read. That's interesting. Yeah, that's fair. He like, you know, tricky situation. He's like, hey, hold up. Got a little piece of info in my bad pocket. Mm-hmm. I think the last thing I had for this chapter was obviously, as we've touched on now, ultimately makes the decision to let Moot and Barrow go in order to have them deliver a message to Sorodeo for the him. I wonder what we think his plan is Soradio. Soradio. I love saying his name. Soradio. Even sp- sounds a little South American, Central American. I don't Does know what the bit. plan Does is. Doesn't put that twain on it? Yeah. I'm. I'm in the dark. I'm. I really. He's an enigma. He and Zapunia both mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Do we so far? I remember. You know, we were. Maybe Aud is overstating it, but we were sort of impressed by Don Ash, you know, notably badass. Do we have a similar experience with now thus far or no? Now is like skeezy, slippery. Mm. He's scary in a different way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Probably more scary. Harder to uh, predict. It is interesting to have a horn who can is like so perceptive, perceptive. He can almost read minds. Like the heightened, like perception makes you think like intellect, maybe not the case, but just like that heightened perception on a horn seems interesting and it is alarming. Yes, I figured he'd be up to more by now. Maybe, so maybe, maybe he is up maybe to in more. the second half of the book he will come, come to do more. But I figured. But we historically don't really know what's going on in the mountain. That's true, but we did get some gaunt ash like POVs. Yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like we would have gotten more from him and made him into a scarier figure in a kind of like formidable gaunt ash type of way, but different because his thing's perception. But I don't know. Maybe that's coming at this point, but I would have expected I mean, to it, see more of that by now. It could also be sort of the counterpoint to Shay's groundwork that she's done with the Espenian government. This is the mountain's way of creating 
pre-approved avenues for jade distribution for whenever things loosen up uh, within the KJA. Okay. Just pre, pre-building infrastructure. So once it becomes legitimate, like they have a pre-built way to try to get under tariffs and taxes, you're thinking? Yeah. Okay. Or just not having to actively build alliances and trade agreements with specific countries. Just being able to already go through the established routes. Okay, man. Yeah, that's all I got. Cool. All right. With that, we go into Chapter 24, The Inheritance. We start with Shay sharing a quick conversation with Hilo about what happened in Libon last week and how close she already is with Rue. We then move to the Inheritance, a vessel owned by shipping giant Ven Sondalon, the owner of K-Star Freight and a mountain Greenbone. We proceed with a conspiratorial conversation in which Hilo convinces Ven to assist in a plan to undermine and replace Ait Mada. So... Crazy fucking chapter. I love the title. It works on so many different levels. I it's one of my favorite that we've read so far, being that like we've got the literal inheritance with like inheriting Rue as like a family member. Or sorry, not Rue, Nico as a family member, which I realize I said Rue inside of my summary. I meant Nico, but we inherit Nico as a family member. We have Rue. And so there's like the future is staring us down. And then on the other side of that, we also have the inheritance, literally the name of the ship, as well as the inheritance in question of the mountain clan in the long term. Yeah, there's and there's a lot of different one more that sauce. unless I missed you say it, which is possible, that then San wants to give it to his son. He wants his son to set his son up as pillar. So like yeah, his inheritor right. is the presumptive mm-hmm. pillar. Yeah. Just layers on layers. Very sneaky. I like that we get on a couple boats this week. We do get on some boats for Can very I? different reasons. We can discuss this maybe next week's devil trot or something, but I'm afraid of boats anyway. Let's keep it going. Ooh, okay. All right. Taking it down. Also all, on boats. All boats or just like we'll, dark we'll water? Into we'll get into it. <laughs> we'll talk about fears next week. There oh, we go. Like that. <laughs> all right. Cool. But so we also get to talk about Nico again and what's been done now that he's returned to the family as well as Shay's grudging acceptance of Hilo's decision to kill Amy. Amy. What, do you, what do you guys think of the way that that played out as far as that conversation goes? Disappointed in Shay. I expected better. What did you expect? I expected her to like bitch him out at least. How she probably has. I don't know about that. Can she? Talking to the I mean, pillar? I think she could. She's capable of it and she has previously. Yeah. She does for Marrow at the end of the chapter or at the end of this week, right? Or later this week rather. I think there she makes some... her opinion known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there is some flashback and some some like description of conversation that they have a little bit. Hilo's argument has like does not hold up to any scrutiny. I okay, I'm interested, but the quote, of course, at the very end of this section, this little bit is: "Would you rather I'd given Nico up?" When Shave failed to answer, he leaned back in his seat. That's what I thought, and I'm curious as to why you think that is little little merit. Because the answer isn't all or nothing. It's not a binary. It could have been, like we discussed before, a, like, we'd love to have him and, like, host him for the summers. Teach him what it means to be a call and what his father was like without murdering his parents and kidnapping him. But she she was trying to sneak away and never be found again. So it was kind of... Can I... 
I don't, is, am I the only one that's like, that's a pretty easy decision? Like, you should just let it go? Yeah, I know. Well, does it, <laughs> no, oh, that's, that's definitely a thing. Let her, yes, to, to us, let that's obviously a thing. Yeah. But like, doesn't like, the do fact, you want a baby? So, I mean, obviously, Shay and Hilo often very diametrically opposed. And she, even despite Those. her acceptance of it, still understands that it goes against the divine virtues and prays for Hilo's soul, basically, because of this. But doesn't the fact that the argument works on Shay kind of like give it some credence? Does it work though? He's like, Shut I don't know. Up. It just it's, makes me. That's why I said I was disappointed in Shay. It makes her like almost complicit in the entire situation. But what's what's she supposed to do now? The kid. Well, now his I know, parents are murdered, and she not, didn't know what he was going to do. Should have an easy him. answer to that one. That should be yes. You should have given it up. It's his mom. Yeah. Like right. <laughs> My thought is that you, they've had this combo a bunch, and she's mother. resigned now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. That wasn't how I was yeah. interpreting it, but I get that. I would sure. like to yeah. say that I'm surprised that Hilo told her that he killed her. Yeah, I'm kind of too. Hmm. Like, I don't know. I that like that was really honest of him. I guess. Because that makes me think he doesn't think it's as bad as we all think it is. He's like, yeah, what? She was sneaking away. I killed her. What? Unless Shay were to, on her own, send a letter saying like, hey, we've got your son. I don't know what's going on, but we'd love for you to come be reunited. Sent to the house. she just never hear back. In the scene of the crime where somebody could intercept the letter. I don't know. PJ, it's mail fraud's illegal. They would never open that. <laughs> we don't know that law. We don't uh, know. Is it illegal in Steppingland? <laughs> right. I don't know. I yeah. I agree. It it's it's kind of damning that Shay hasn't been more vocal about it. But also, what's done's been done, and there's not much that can be done about it now, other than just condemnation. Yeah. Kind Again, of, kind of a bummer. I'd like to echo, I think, maybe everybody last week when we said we wish we got Wen's reaction to Hilo coming home with the baby, explaining the story to her. Would just be a nice little tidbit, a nice little counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's definitely a wish this could be different. Hopping to Shay and kind of some of the, the religious aspects that you brought up a little bit here, Thomas, I, I really wanted to highlight that despite everything, and even the fact that Shay in the first book says that she isn't religious, she has been going consistently to the temple to pray and is now adding Annie to the list of people that she's praying for one way or another. And I think that that's interesting, especially considering her kind of her difficult history with religion over the past. It's very Catholic a lot of catholic guilt i read a lot of catholic guilt in this i'm so like glad praying people into heaven and mm-hmm. for their souls very true yeah for sure mm-hmm. so that gets us to the boat right it's also time to finally highlight some proper no peak schemes truly get set up here we're introduced to ven haku in addition to ven sondalon as i've mentioned to be set up as the new man of the mountain and the new pillar and just like holy shit the way this conversation goes and unfolds between the group it's it's just excellent i like the word play man of the mountain Mm -hmm. it's very godfather i don't know yeah this was good good stuff Mm -hmm. this is a good plan good plan 
I feel like though these families they're probably not up for it. Well, Healer doesn't think they're up for it, but I think mm-hmm. they might all get murdered. Like no peaks putting mm-hmm. these families all in danger. Yeah. Oh no, he fell down the stairs. Did we also notice that Mr. Big Stuff with the yacht has a gold watch with Jade? I think that might pop a balloon. But Oh, believe you me, I'm super excited to talk about that (laughs) bet this week. I've been waiting for a rationale to pick at that one literally since you made the bet of gold and jade physically not being able to be mixed. I'm excited. Matter of fact, let's just do it now. (laughs) Did I make that? All right. I think we were all. I think it's time to finally pay off the lawn debt. So PJ doubled down and said lawn is wearing gold and jade. And that's that's why he died. Ben also agreed. Lon is wearing gold and jade. And Aaron said kryptonite, like the jade, is poisoned. And so, like, it was there was something wrong with the jade. I don't know if and we I think we've know. confirmed. I don't know if we know. I think, <laughs> uh, I'll give you your. I don't. You, you, can, you can protect yourself. How? I'll, I'll hear your argument. Yeah. Okay. That's true. That's argument. my argument. There's no argument. There. I don't know Barrow if we know. Barrow and Moot have been wearing this shade successfully. They seem pretty. They've been wearing it for like a year. Yeah. Well, they're not wearing all of it, and they're, they split it up between the two of them. <laughs> okay. Who knows if they grabbed the poison jade? I think they just the grabbed the jade in of, there. With the context no, they, of like no. Hilo, only one side of it. Listen to me. <laughs> with the context of Hilo's injuries and like his recovery and him having to take shine, plus the situation where you have like Marrow, or being Barrow and Moot wearing the jade but i don't think they didn't get all of the jade i'm just saying Mm -hmm. here's what i'll do aaron i've I've already agreed to do this i've already agreed to do this Mm -hmm. once before (laughs) but i'm gonna i'm gonna ask for the drink now and if you're wrong i will drink twice you mean if i'm right just because we're gonna pay it off yeah i'll drink twice i'm going to drink for the golden jade thing but i'm going to pj you're you're messed up go back what and like Mm -hmm. double down on the fact that some some of Lon's jade was still poisoned. I still think there was something <laughs> fucked up about it. Now he's having my scheme. I already believed it to the to the begin with. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, you better drink. Ben, drink. I need you both. Everyone. This is when Aaron, I need the non-alcoholic drink. beer. Yeah. <laughs> this is why. All right. The non-alcoholic spirits exist. Now, now we've now we've all switched the the team to kryptonite. Barrow made a point the last of of that he couldn't grab all of the jade from the grave. My bad, my bad. Hill memory and, box isn't what it used to be. Interesting. Okay, but back to the back to the man in question, Ben Sandalon, and and sort of the scheme that's going on in the background. Was there any other notes in the conversations that you thought of? The one thing that I definitely wanted to mention too, and I I didn't tuck it into either of the descriptions or any of the questions that I wrote, but the Coben family. As well, they found out that they couldn't buy him despite trying and like giving him a full ride and everything else to switch schools as this nine-year-old. And then on top of that, that the weatherman's family was also unpurchasable. So, I thought it was hilarious uh, how psyched Ben Haku was to jump on this plan like immediately. <laughs> and everybody was like, whoa. You can, you can tell he's been <laughs> gossiping. He had, mm. uh, he had it all. My guy was ready, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was surprised by how casual he was about 
discussing essentially treason and like not even feigning bringing up the dire nature of the situation and how fucked he would be if this if this conversation got out he just thinks he's untouchable because his business is so big yeah but i feel like he will be murdered also who the fuck has (laughs) the gall to name their yacht the inheritance brilliant (laughs) an idiot an absolute idiot yes this is your your inheritance son yeah yeah it's a great little scene great little scene really love it really appreciated it on on this read through in particular so we we exit there and of course they they walk out Hold of the on, dock sorry. and the deal is basically before we leave that scene there's another okay, okay. interesting part that we neglected to bring up i think and that is how the boy club atmosphere of it all and how Shay feels like she's being neglected and how she's being shut out and ignored. And I think that's just an important thing to highlight. And it seems sort of like, you know, she is worried that Hilo forgot she was there and she remarks about like the ease at which the men were able to build camaraderie like that. And I just thought, you know, gross, important gross, to shout gross. out. Yeah, that gave me a Wolf of Wall Street vibes. Mm-hmm. Well, the yacht guy was already proven to be sexist when he's mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. a childless woman should not be a pillar. Oh, very true. There was that whole exchange. How did I forget to note that? Mm-hmm. Good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. he He's definitely not a good guy or a smart guy. He's like, it's okay means. that you're a weatherman because you report to a man. Mm-hmm. So he jumped felt- on that like, I know how to talk to these guys. Right. That's yeah. man to That man. was the vibe I got and I was curious if you know, if it was stood out to anybody else but like was Hilo sort of playing the role and playing it up to this guy or was he actually suckered into it no I think think he was playing a role yeah and I I think the conversation in the car afterwards and the sort of the change in atmosphere and the change in temperament of of Hilo immediately after they're out of earshot gave me that strengthened that read on it it was Entirely a let's play to this guy's preconceived notions and get him on board in the yeah. in the least resistive way possible. But for sure, like sucks for Shay in the moment, but hopefully she understood that a little bit afterwards as they're like going back to the childhood bickering of like him putting his shoes on her, on her feet in the car. And I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a strong scene all around and That's a great point. I, I can't believe I totally neglected to mention that because it does get back to his core theory of why he thinks that this is okay. And why he's maybe not throwing the sort of fuss because he's a, you know, dickhead sexist dickhead at this point. Mm-hmm. But we move to the car into the dock scene again and Hilo to quote here Hilo threw an arm over his sister's shoulder his mood had changed completely from the earlier dark car ride and the easy friendliness he'd shown to the men on the boat had vanished his lopsided smile was bright and feral and this is one of the one of the lines in this entire series that has just like stuck with me I don't know what it is about this I the like lopsided smile and sort of that that animalistic instinct that I've just really enjoyed about remembering Hilo through Love it. Mm -hmm. So had to bring it up and woof. What a whole move to undermine the mountain in this way. I think it's just it's speaking to the games that we're playing and how dramatically we've grown over the 
almost two two to three years at this point. We can actually use basically Nico as a timer to some degree for for the story's age, but you know, roughly two years ish of time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, and I'm it sure sticks. the mountain is doing some of their own scheming. Schemes on schemes on schemes. Schemor. Siri picked that up for some reason, which is great. Yeah, schemes everywhere. Schemes all the way down. And from Inheritance, we go into chapter 25, Interception. We did a Mate 10 chapter, one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> this time, we see up close and personal No Pete's efforts to bring an end to Zapuno's jade smuggling operations as they storm a merchant vessel carrying smuggled jade. After a brief skirmish with some jade-wearing half-bones, Ken and his crew take control of the vessel and locate the stolen jade, diverting the ship back to Teton for a more thorough inspection. This Some had sweet like naval action, just from like an action mission. movie, Michael Bay style point of view, like just awesome. Mm-hmm. This was very much a, which Captain America movie is it where he gets on the boat too? Yeah, Winter mm-hmm. Soldier. You mean when he's holding he's trying to like that yeah. helicopter? He, a, did he have on a parachute? The the ship? Something like that. I, I remember that scene. That's the third. <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the scene I'm talking about. No, you're talking about the one that he just jumps out of the the helicarrier, and they're like, "Was he wearing?" He's a holding the helicopter no. and the ship, right? And That's a different flexing. one, Aaron. That's a different scene. We're not talking about that scene, Aaron. <laughs> Why? That's the only scene. <laughs> there are other scenes. <laughs> there are other scenes in the movie. I don't think so. <laughs> they're not even That's the same scene. movie. <laughs> so. In this scene, the captain mm-hmm. of the ship is was worried initially that they might have been pirates. And how fucking cool would it be to have jade-studded pirates? We'd love it. Now we're talking. We would love it. That's a book. I, I would love read. it. The pirate without missing an eye from Pirates of the Caribbean, and instead of the like gross wooden eye, it's a jade eye. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be That's hard as fuck. <laughs> that'd be awesome. That's really good stuff. But. Additionally, I wonder if there's any way to like amplify a jade aura or a jade perception in any way, like being able to scan almost like radar, oh, like so like close range radar of all of the ships in the area and see which one have green bones on them, so you know which ones to like check out. Mm-hmm. Would cool. that be like mechanical or chemical? But the opposite uh, of shine, maybe. Just I, need more green. Just to, more, in, just to end in there. Yeah, I guess it would have to be like <laughs> Point really loading somebody up with with Jade. Wait a minute, hear me out. Dosing them with enough of SN1 to like be able to bear it. But what if we put Shine or not Shine? We put Jade on dolphins. <laughs> Dolphin the Jade. Son- there Dolphin we go. Jade. Like the, the Navy uses sonar. Like Jade the, sonar the would dolphins be so doing dope. their secret missions. Maybe we did some seals. Anyway, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens there. An interesting tidbit I thought was that Ken is, at least to his reckoning, the first horn maybe ever to hijack a ship in international waters. Just kind of speaks to you know, we're in a whole new era, modernization, global Jade War, perhaps. Very interesting. That was a pretty cool like notch on the belt for old mate Ken. Mm-hmm. Yep. And showing him as a the horn as a leader mm-hmm. on you know his own mission. Doing a good job there, buddy. Yeah, and Aaron, to your point, like we do see him, he's 
developing as a horn. We see that he's, you know, his realization that his chief responsibility is managing and developing his people. And I think that's just like a great look for him. It really does show that it's not just the military part of him that's coming into his own. He really has grown and is proving to be a very capable horn. And then also like, it's kind of reminiscent of Hilo, the first book, the deafness with which he notes Ian's desire to earn more jade and his mental note to give her the opportunity to earn more. I think N here is in kind of a unique scenario compared to what we've been exposed to so far because he's removed from the call family directly. So he doesn't have the preconceived like expectations of call Sen bearing down upon him. And like he's able to be an effective horn, but forge his own path. And I think that's really important in this stage of warfare and in this stage of the world where things are changing very, very rapidly. And he's, like he knows the traditions, but he's not as beholden to them as I think Hilo would have been if he was still horn in this position. It's also, I think, partially due because now Hilo is pillar. So there's not that same expectation. Like instead of having a pillar trying to tear down his every move or make sure he's not surpassed, he has someone who's like actively tr- putting trust in him and also trying to build him up. Which I think is a stark contrast to Call Sen and to even Lan in some respects. Mm-hmm. Similarly to Ken's development, we also see our guy, Lot Jin, Lot Jin. He's developing, you know, competent grown man acting as like a, a translator. We also learn Spanian language study becoming very common on Kaitan. But what do we think that Lot Jin's ultimate fate is here? I've got a couple of things on this. Okay. So we learn that Lo Jen is learning the Espanian language in high school or whatever. Can we know? Oh, I know we talked about this last week. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I see her shit in grin. So the whole point was that I knew that it was coming, A, and B, it went to the other side of the argument that we made, which was because he hates his heritage. So like Andin hates his, hates his heritage. But do we think Lotgen knows about the dueling customs in Espinia? I'm just saying. Probably. What are you implying? Well, we were arguing. Oh, well, I was saying last week. Like, Andin's why dumbass. And didn't learn anything about this in high school. I feel like that's something he would have learned. Oh. And I'm thinking. That. And they were classmates. Yeah, this guy's. So maybe Andin is stupid. Ben, I have or a question for you. In high school, what language did you take? Spanish. Spanish. Okay. And do you know every law in Spain? No. Do you know every law in Mexico? <laughs> oh my God. I don't. I, I would burn I you down. <laughs> There's a difference in language. Do you know the penalty for fighting? And government. For assault? Yeah. We live in a society. <laughs> Damn. He got me. He got me. He jokered you. <laughs> I have been right got, back. You know, in this moment. No, I think that's literally me. I was just saying, like, I feel like something important like that, if we had some kind of like thing where you're not supposed to be doing something that you do often in the United States and you're not supposed to be doing it in Mexico, like drinking the water, let's say. I feel like Shay would have been like friends in Mexico, but that's the thing that I know. 
Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I feel like Shay would have uh, been like, "Hey, don't yeah. fight people." <laughs> exactly. They're That's not all I'm saying. About I'm just, it. I feel like maybe there's been some education on that. Otherwise, let's talk about Lo Jin and not why I'm right all the time. Lucky with you guys. All right. It was it was a great it was a great correct, and I knew that you were right, which is why I if if we had a video version of this podcast, you would just see me like light up with a smile of like I know this is coming. <laughs> I did not know uh, it was coming. Uh, let's see. Yeah, what do we think his exactly ultimate fate saying. is? I think I, we've talked about this before. I have, I'm pretty sure I have a bet riding on it, but this just really feels like a tragic death just coming down the pipe, like a wasteful tragic. Like, yeah, this guy could have done something else. I and see. Uh, a few- this, but he's part of the clan, and the clan is ultimately going to get him killed. And then it does. That's how I see it. How do you see it? I see it as whatever happens to Lot Jin, it will impact Andin in some way. Oh, Andin's moved on. He's getting his D. No, but I think he's getting either- toppers off. <laughs> Him coming back and seeing how high Lotjin has succeeded in the clan, and because he already sh- showed some like jealousy or that's a good mixed point, feelings. Actually. I like that yep. when Lotjin was the first to take oaths. Yeah, he's gonna see him back, and he's like, "Wow, he's a fist. I should be a." And looking- yeah, he kind of sees wherever Lotjin is, where he should have been if he weren't. And then he puts his shade back Jade. on and turns into a monster. Yep. Like it, pretty good. I dig it. We do have predictions there, by the way. So they are there. Aaron, if you want to update yours, you are welcome to. You said run off to Espenia with Andin by the end of the book. I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you said sticking around for family, going to get killed tragically in this book, which totally lines up with your current theory. So <laughs> yes. I figure you're you're in the clear. Did I did I say anything about him? Convinces Andin to come back to begin, become green again actively, yep. verbally, specifically orally. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's what you had me write. As long as it's in a car, yeah, I'm it should be it. okay. <laughs> as long as it's in a car. Oh, no. We know that Andin loves an oral argument, so. I know. All right. All right. Um, two more things here from me. And then if anyone has anything burning, feel free. Get it off your chest. Our guy Ken's going to get married. Love that for him. Good job, mate. He Ken. has to ask permission. He does. Yeah, he did, I think. Both her and the, the pillar. And then the discovery of the smuggled jade, the cleverness in which it's being moved, and also Ian's, like, no, she's the only one that notices double barcode, something's fishy there, and then they're able to find out, like, the, the buttons are jade. Aaron, I think you Pretty had something cool. for that. I said it already. I think in okay. the last chapter, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that the the mining didn't seem very covert, mm-hmm. but that you know the buttons and then the starting to bury thing under frozen fish or whatever. That's pretty sneaky. Very sneaky. Very well managed. Why not make the shirts still real shirts? So then, yeah, they could still make money off of the shirts without buttons. That does seem a little who double up who your investment. produces shirts that don't open? Like, how would you even go about doing that? Like, why not that just feels get, more get complicated. real shirts and then switch the buttons out? Yeah, yeah. It's exp- I don't know. It's expensive. I don't, how is it more expensive? They intercept them before 40 years. 
here's the thing, right? We got a separate factory, one factory. They're sewing the shirts, the other factory. They're slicing the shirts down the middle. That's not Intercepting how you in, in roots <laughs> and putting the buttons on them. That's uh, not slice how you the sew. shirt yeah. and then they put the button on. They intercept them <laughs> in route and they sew the buttons, probably, the jade buttons on themselves. It's the best reason I've heard. I mean, I would think it'd be easier instead of even altering any shirts. You know, like button up shirts sometimes come with like a little extra button sewn to the tag mm-hmm. of the shirt. Like just. Just sew a jade button to every tag of every shirt. But the button on the tag has to match the buttons on the shirt. Who's... Because that's the replacement button. uh, Folding it inside out and looking at the... Aaron's genuinely correct there, though. That is how you replace your buttons after you replace the... No, I know that's why they're there, but... Okay, you can have a regular button there, too. Just put a, a jade button in also. I disagree. I think that they should be real shirts, though. <laughs> it would be pretty dope to, like, have one slide through the cracks and, like, get on a retail shelf somewhere and somebody just buys a dope shirt with green buttons and then no idea that they're jade and then, like, dies. accidentally wears it inside out one time and then gets superpowers. And then immediately like, <laughs> the itches and just dies. <laughs> go up to, the, to heaven they're like i was a god once <laughs> temporarily briefly all right with that we get into chapter 26 setting expectations shay's schemes pay off for the destruction of the mountain's shine producing facilities in egaton shay also has a conversation with woon about getting in too far with the Espenians and the inherent dangers therein after we see Marrow meet the Pillar and his wife for dinner at Shay's, where there are some uncomfortable conversations that occur. We end the chapter discovering an expose on Shay has been published in the Jan Loon Daily. Huge. No more shine for the mountain. Do we feel like Woon is right about the Espenians on the whole? Woon is always right. Woon is always right. I do think that maybe we're like getting a little too in bed with the Espenians, but I don't think they have better options at the same time we're playing all angles i know so they they kind of have to so i don't think it's like i just i do think it's like something to be aware of and woon is right like yeah we probably should like we should be like pumping the brakes a little bit or at least like head on a swivel with the situation with the Espinians. but they also like have kind of made their bed already and kind of have to go down that route so they don't have better options I don't think Woon's right about everything. He wasn't right about his love choice. He's got a new babe now. Apparently. New babe just dropped. Yeah. And guess who's jealous? He moved Shay. He moved on real fast. Shay is jealous. That's actually, <laughs> yeah, that that is a fun bit that does come from this whole bit is that there's a little bit of, I said bit so many times, but like, why, aren't, why didn't you tell me? Which is hilarious. I didn't necessarily see it as jealousy, but just a little bit though. I, I saw I it more as like no, realization that what they've gone through was like actively hurt their relationship. Mm. Yeah, I agree with PJ. And, uh, I don't think it's like, jealousy. Astute. Yeah. I think it's like I thought Woon was my friend, but mm. I guess we're not friends. I'm jealous. Right. I took it as like no, mourning. I don't think he's the... jealous. Shut up. Like the inherent trust that they had where there are no secrets before. And now like the mm-hmm. fact that there's any secrets is what she's mourning. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, shut up, Ben. I don't know. But, but I feel like there was a little bit of like. I feel like there was a little bit of like when you tell somebody you don't like them, and then they're like, "Fine, okay, I don't like you either." And then they go off and actually like find someone else, and you're like, "Huh, maybe I do like." Them. There's also that like immediately getting married aspect to it too yeah. that I think Shay dials in on and is like, "Talk about a rebound." Okay. Yeah. Unlike when you are not right about everything, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Eddie, Eddie, we've hit on Woon in a good way. It seems like you guys are more in on Woon now. Or are we less in? More Boy's in, still on, sus. On, in on Woon. I was still sure, out on Woon until Hami Tumashan became a little prick. Then I was like, yeah, well, they can't both be Hami's bad. Hami's out of control. So, we'll we it. definitely have to talk about Hami in the next yeah. chapter. So Hami, there Hami sure. being a turncoat made me think Woon can't be bad too. So now I... Mm-hmm. I Should have trusted him. I give up on my wound suspicions. Mm, okay. All right. Interesting. PJ? I think wound. wound trying to resign was kind of my turning point for wound. Like, mm. that he let something personal great point. get under his skin enough that, like, it meant that he was actually emotionally invested in this family to begin with. And... Like that, that proved it for me, even though he, like, she didn't accept his resignation. But, like, the fact that he was able, willing, and actively tried to remove himself from the situation was enough proof that his intentions were uh, pure. Well, that sounds like Jesus to me Christ is proof that you and Aaron are drinking. It is. It is proof that you are drinking this week. We appreciate you endlessly, but. I think I think I really appreciate the turn because I was having a tough time even stomaching the theories. I got more tweets about you guys disliking Woon as much as you did that I have about anything else in this book. I've been burned, man. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a okay. It was just very funny. Can't People trust did not everyone. expect the Woon Puppy Donwa <laughs> train. Let me tell you something. I didn't hate him. I just the I streets, couldn't, I couldn't no, blindly yeah. trust him. The streets were yeah, up in arms okay. about it. They were aflame. They were outraged. And you know what they were saying? Ben is always right. Thank you. <laughs> Looks like Thomas Their is words, pulling the not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas has become public enemy number one. I didn't hear <laughs> me. <laughs> I don't think he heard I you. Did yeah. not. I heard <laughs> Thomas something Corey. <laughs> I said, sounds like Thomas is pulling a Corey. You're mm. sucking Ben's dick. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for putting it out there. First I like how Tony said literally, literally that. First of all. <laughs> I mean, I heard it, but I, I got it immediately. Here's a question but. for you, Aaron. What's wrong with a couple of bros sending positive vibes to one another, showing appreciation? <laughs> I thought we were anti-masculinity here. You're directly going against what I just said about how Ben is not always right. It's not about bros. It's about... <laughs> You not being with the hose. Wow. Ooh, got him. Got him. That's deep. So, that, that got me. We go <laughs> to... <laughs> Thomas was injured. <laughs> I, was, I was touching my heart because it got my heart. Yeah. Touched my heart he strength. is also injured. <laughs> yeah. I am. <laughs> Torn ACL right there in the moment. 
No. So obviously, again, no more shine. I'm glad that we went back to Woon after I tried to talk about the shine production. But hey, no more economic impact. That's neat. Okay, cool. Moving on. Marrow at dinner is a whole fucking basket of worms to untangle as this conversation seems to go well until it does not. Uh, And you start to see him actively dig his own grave in front of Hilo. And it is so fucking like unbearably stressful to watch happen and especially to listen to because the the audiobook narrator does such a good job accelerating the way that he talks here. I think as a PhD smart person, he should know the culture better. Got to have better tact. Like he should know How to that read a fucking room. Yeah. <laughs> he should know that clan leaders are not going to share his liberal belief do you think he got lulled into like a false sense of security by the fact that shay is a leader of this clan and he's able to speak like this with her and maybe i I think doesn't expect him to face any sort of backlash like maybe maybe shay didn't do enough to like prep him for this meeting yeah she clearly didn't she should have been like okay like any you know when you bring someone home to your own parents, like, you know, don't talk about politics. Step mm-hmm. number one. Everyone knows that. I think he's just a nerd and he got excited. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do that sometimes as with my history stuff, but I'll just get reeling and going. I also think, you know, Hilo can turn the charm on, right? We know that. So Mero is probably feeling very comfortable. He's that I talked about this with Shay, like you guys said. Marrow's my or Hilo's my boy now. He just got a little loosey goosey. I do think Hilo disarmed him a little bit, and I do think he got a little loosey goosey. I would agree with that, but also, I expect better. It was very reminiscent of, I mean, different contents, but Lore's just getting none of the signals when Amy, right? Amy's <laughs> trying to shut him up. Like when gives him an out, Shay gives him an out. He's like, ah, that's interesting. I'll just keep going. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And keep climbing this precarious ladder. Mm-hmm. Speaking of this scene and previous scenes, there's Hoji drinking. So, cheers to yeah, everybody. There was like that. three Hojis Huzzah. this week. It's true. Um, also, we've been drinking for bets a lot this episode. I I Not also me. think there's a bit of like I don't want to come across blaming Shay for this, but at the same time, she did explicitly tell him this isn't because I'm ashamed of who you are and what you think and how you act. This is just how, how long it's taken to like get into this situation where we can have, like we've just been busy. So we haven't been able to have this dinner. So like he got reassurances that who he is and what he talks about and how he acts isn't going to be a problem going into this meeting with the horn or with the pillar. Like, I I think he probably Um, had a little bit of a different understanding of this, the situation before he went into it. And had he been more properly prepared for it, I think he would have conducted himself a little bit more cautiously. I think so. I I think that he, he is sufficiently given at least words of warning and is like doing his best to give a good impression but like like we've said, this is and like Aaron said, I think put it very succinctly, like this is like the rules of of the road as far as relationship goes. Don't bring up politics on a first meeting at the very least. 
when you're meeting parents and Hilo is the equivalent. It's the only equivalent to a parent that Shay has. Yeah, but she doesn't see him as a parent. It's it's her shithead no, brother. No, but it's, it's the like. Well, it's it is it is the shithead brother, but it's also the political head of a big entity and someone that she actively respects above and beyond that. And she also knows how Mero thinks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she could have done a better job. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's you know holistically bad, but and read the room, Mero. Yeah, definitely read the That's room. Fair. No question. PJ, I believe the conversation you were talking about where she reaffirms Tom's down Mero, like that everything's going to be fine. And that's, I think she's talking to Hilo then. Oh, the you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's just saying like, hey, you're I wasn't right. hiding him. He thinks that it's just we're busy. You're totally right. I'm sure a yeah. similar conversation probably happened behind the scenes, but the, like the specific yeah. verbiage you used was that. Yeah, I was totally thinking about the conversation with her and Hilo, not her and Mero. So that's my bad. I think all good. All good. So I do want to follow up, though, of course, as kind of the, the postmortem on the dinner. Do we think that Hilo is genuinely OK with Mero? And do we think that Shay and Mero could marry if that was what Shay wanted to pursue? I think this is a very complicated answer, and I think it goes through a huge up and down wave during this section. Given the given the pregnancy. Yeah. Or. And and more. Oh, okay. If 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 you think there's more to talk about, we can save there's, it until it's relevant. No, no, no. I, I, I think I think this is the perfect spot to talk about sure. it at a high level. So I think sure. after this dinner, yes, I think he's still willing to say yes. After this chapter, when her Espenian roots are being scrutinized by the journalist by the by the newspapers. And she's under like intense magnified scrutiny, knowing that he's also half a Spenian. That's not good for the clan. And like immediately after that, and as things are like progressing in that sense, I think Hilo would have said no. But I think that comes back after she's pregnant. I think he'd say yes again. So I, I think it like right yes to no to yes is sure. Kind of where I'm at with he- what I think Hilo would say. I like that read. I also say um, yes. I don't know. I think he would. Hilo's a big softie. He likes. Yeah. Hilo loves love. He was like, he loves yeah, love. I agree. Like he's kind of into love. And he he wanted her to say yes, I love him. And he's like, if you don't know, that's not. Love. And he married. He married he's a stone eye in a in a weird family. He's a romantic. Yeah, I, I feel like if she was like, I lo- I really love this guy. I want to marry him. He'd be like, okay. I don't want to fully open an old wound here, but I think that's why he was fighting so hard for Amy for so long until she turns, you know, and is going to run away because he was like willing to accept what I think in any other circumstance, Hilo would have considered a loss if it weren't for maintaining that relationship and like that being the way that it could happen. Okay, that's fine. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, if she that wanted no to, Amy would have been allowed to live on the call estate with yeah. Her lover. Yeah. Which is like, crazy. Yeah. He offered to murder the man mm-hmm. previously. And then, you know, ultimately kind of kind of did. But Here's all right. Say. So the final note, of, the final note of the chapter, of course, is Aitmata's move that she's been making and planning for a bit. We get the release of the newspaper and the information dump into the public eye about Shay being in a Spenian 
asset for a very long period of time and feeding and leaking information. And then we also get an expose from her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, of course, fucking Gerald, Gerald, that piece of shit. <laughs> I didn't this think we'd ever see him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why would make? he even give an interview like that? Because he's a I mean, dick. I don't know. Yeah, he's the one who broke up with Shay. Why is he throwing blows after she's already down? He didn't give a fuck. He didn't give a fuck about her in the first place. Maybe they paid him. I was just surprised. Like this hasn't come up earlier. Like to me, we shouldn't have. We should not have been surprised by it. Really surprised it hasn't been used already at this point. Two years into this war or whatever, this seems like bad weather manning. Not reading the clouds. Ben, <laughs> what do you think motivated the specific timing of this release? Well, I think it's obviously the the Shine Factory blow-up situation, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, maybe they had the info and were just holding on to it. But it also seems like something that could have been played like from the jump right when Shea mm-hmm. got named Weatherman. So... I guess if you're holding on to it for strategic purposes to use against them at a later date, that's fine if you're the mountain. But I guess I hadn't actually realized that all of this was entirely like unknown information. Like I didn't realize this was information under wraps. So I'm kind of curious where where the leak happened. Which of course would mean it is time to discuss chapter twenty seven purely practical again touching on some sensitive subjects this chapter i'm sure all you listeners know you read along ken reports to hilo with the results of his raid causing hilo to reflect on how far his horn has come and how happy he is to see the financial and military halves of the clan working so well together ken leaves as the couple enters to speak with hilo about their daughter who had been attacked and sexually assaulted by espenian soldiers Though he isn't able to promise them the vengeance they seek, he does offer advice and at least the prospect of future vengeance. Next, the senior luckbringer Hami Tumashan, Councilman Kawi, and two other lantern men enter with the request that Shay be withdrawn from her role, which is of course refused by Hilo. So, a lot going on in this chapter, a lot. A lot going on in this chapter, right up front, some additional evidence of the strength and unity at the top of No Peak, which is contrasted with the uncertainty we did at the end. Like, everything, everything in this entire, like, book and in this world has become more and more and more complicated, and these fringe cases have become less fringe and more integral and more like focused upon and like there needs to be a systematic change in the way that Kekanese culture approaches and views and reports upon and handles external situations that involve other governments, other militaries, other people in general. It, they they are center stage right now for a global conflict and they're still trying to handle things in the way that they would internally and i think that's great 
for a lot of things. Like I, I love, I love that Hilo has this like forward thinking attitude in this situation uh, with the Uways of like take their money, get as much as you can get, let them feel like they've made amends. This is unforgivable for us, and we won't forget it. Like I, I, I love how ruthless like of all the times that Hilo can be ruthless this is my favorite example of it but he can't really be really ruthless because he has no power hands are a little tied not now anything. he's just giving them a promise for promise a of date. revenge an IOU for violence but I think he was smart to say take all their money anyways while we wait to fuck them up mm-hmm. Cause I he, I think he's I think that's a smart move though because I His think Hilo as the horn without the sort of diplomatic knowledge that he's gained by being pillar for as long as he has been at this point would have been gung ho about blindly going into something that he had no chance of actually succeeding in because it was the right thing to do and maybe it's still the right thing to do by their customs. But learning this bit of patience and knowing that these guys are going to be unguarded at some point and will be waiting to strike, or they, I think, is a good blending of his like militaristic and diplomatic positions that he's held so far, and also his understanding of people is once again that display, and it's reminiscent of his earlier interaction with Lot Jin, where he lets Mister Ian. Uh, trying to like blow up at him a little bit and he's like hey because of what you're going through that did not offend me but he kind of at the same time is like don't like that was your one you can yell at me like otherwise chill out yeah he's still the pillar yeah. mm-hmm. like <laughs> totally get it it's acceptable in this situation I understand the way that you feel intensely wronged and you're not meaning to take it out on me but you do need to chill out mm-hmm. bro that was well done bro so obviously we've already touched on now through that PJ a lot of the troubling situation that the family finds itself on the limits of the pillar's powers but this is just like another callback with that pursuit of money that the Espanians really do put a price on anything it seems and unfortunately to me this you know not an unfamiliar situation we do see too many things like this in the real world and also the Espanians carrying out this act on a foreign land where they're supposed to be like you know peaceful allies is also something we see with like you know it's different contexts they're not occupying soldiers but like occupying soldiers taking out or just soldiers misbehaving carrying out acts of sexual violence against populations that are not their own and it's just you know it's a heartbreaking chapter and it's a heartbreaking bit of realism um, unfortunately to the world and where why are there why are the Espanish soldiers even like? Because they're hanging out on that island. They're like beefing up on that island. Yeah, yeah but it's like they're they should around. like they should keep them on base. There's like a hundred thousand of them or something. Yeah, there's like, a lot. Stay, stay, stay behind your walls. Yeah. And we also see this- yeah, Yumon Island. Yeah, is the name of the island. But we see, Aaron, to your point, like, it's not just this one instance and then nothing else with the Espanian soldiers. There's all this growing, like, we have 
taking advantage of the Espanian soldiers, you know, running like the phony cash transaction businesses and Hilo having to step in on the Espanian's behalf as well. And it's like, TJ, like you were getting to, there's like all this complicated nature of the modernization of the world, the Espanians getting involved and the tricky balance Hilo and the clan have to play now in forming the roles to their constituents, but also managing the geopolitical egos of this superpower. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to reckon with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> World's yeah, just getting bigger just, and bigger. Yeah. And quickly. Yeah. It's yeah. modernizing. Mm-hmm. Super fast. fast yeah. These all seem like very modern political problems. Yeah. It's definitely bringing us in, like I think I had made mention of last week, into something that's very reminiscent of the Korean or the Viet- Vietnam War. It's something that is like an indirect foreign occupation. And then also on top of that, like who are they really fighting for? Is this what the people want? And we're, meanwhile, in basically a third-party country that is, in many ways, supporting both sides via the split of the clan, which makes it incredibly complex. And then pivoting from that complex situation into another, you know, Hilo, no breaks this day, busy day for him. He has to deal with that situation, and then all of a sudden, his chief luckbringers come to him. He's got council person, two high-ranking lantern men. They want Shay out of there. What do we think about this confrontation it's fucked up Tommy's <laughs> out of line reason. put simply <laughs> Tommy's out of line Woon would never Tommy's out of line but also he should know Hilo better too mm-hmm. like Hilo's yeah, yeah. always this just seems like it's a bad, bad move bad move all around like yeah. Hilo's been defending Shay from the start and he's like family first you know, mm-hmm. call, the first guy. Yeah. calls above everyone. So, Hami, yeah. this like this seems he's like, not a very I smart mean, master luck bringer. I know this, he's seems, like, this like made him look bad. Like, yeah, it's weird that through. Hami seems to think he's threading a line here, and just he seems to think he can play it off as like, oh, I'm just opening the door for them to voice their concerns. Right, but it's like. You're you were fist. The... You should know how Hilo thinks, even and like you right. know, you're a high-ranking person on the financial side of the clan. You should know how Hilo thinks. You should know that's not going to fly, and he's going to see through this, right? And him like being there like gives these guys some level of credit, you know, mm-hmm. like that's stupid. Uh, yeah, even and in then, their own eyes. Yeah. At the exactly. end, when they leave, Hilo's like, "I need like, hey, I need to call Shay or." Tries to call Shay or something. Tells someone he needs to call Shay. To like warn her or tell her, right? But then we don't see him mm-hmm. tell Shay. Yeah, so the chapter does end with Hilo being like, get Shay on the phone or something to that effect. Yeah. 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 But yeah. you took it as him having to warn her or like just tell her like, hey, yeah. get your people in line. To be like, no, to be like, hey, get Hami's not on your team anymore. Hami's up so oh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hame in this, he did a pretty good job, I think, of rationalizing his actions and like having pretty good reason. But I, I think his aura and like the way that he presented himself gave him away a little bit. He felt meek and ashamed to a certain degree of his actions in those in in the subtext. Of, like, when Hilo was looking at him and reading him. Yeah, it definitely stood in stark contrast to, like, when he interacts with Shay, he has no 
problem with pushing back on her voice and his opinion and even like aggressively pushing back on her getting maybe not angry but you know like there's no there's nothing impassioned hidden. yes impassioned thank you pj but then yeah. here he does he seems very meek he seems touty seems almost afraid to pit to pit aside to say anything but even just him being there is pitting aside yeah it's just it is it's a weird it's a tough look for homie this whole chapter mm-hmm. get him out of there oh homie do we think he's up to something? Do we think it's just, you know, what he said? His cards are all on the table? I don't know. I feel like this moment with you or Doru just like really affected Hami. And he like, he's now, he's like a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. But yeah, I don't know. I think that he's, he's just lost confidence in, in Jay and he, at this point, I almost believe that he's like actively trying to undermine her, but I don't know. For I'm leaning best. towards that, he's certainly not trying to keep her around. Mm-hmm. He's uh, never had like a particular love of her, though. Like their their relationship has always been a little bit tumultuous. Yeah, you're definitely right. Before that, he also didn't really trust her, but it really sealed the deal. Like Ben was mentioning when with the Dory thing. Mm-hmm. All right. The last thing I have is Tough. sort of a. It's something I keep touching on at, from like my history background, I think, and it's Hami's or it's, yeah, it's Hami's discussion of how people think about this younger generation of Greenbones, and I thought it was very fascinating, very interesting. Hami's aura drew in, and he said with some defensiveness. It would be irresponsible for me as Master Luckbringer not to point out the consequences this might have on No Peak and on your own leadership call, Jen. Your grandfather and most of his comrades are gone. Let the gods recognize them. When people look at Greenbones today, they're not looking at the heroes from the Many Nations War. They're seeing young leaders who grew up with wealth and foreign influences and wondering whether they're green enough to defend the country their way their parents and grandparents did. Kids these days. Yeah, just very reminiscent of every... <laughs> generation to their children and grandchildren ever. Hilo's reaction is to call out Doru mm-hmm. for his like private actions and the things that weren't publicized and and weren't like they they, they show who Doru truly was, but ultimately that's not at all relevant here because it all it has to do is like all that we're talking about is public perception and that never got publicized. So nobody saw Doru the way that the call family did. So it doesn't really matter. It, the, the argument doesn't matter at all. I think it's more it, directly Hilo commenting on Hami's presence there with that argument. Cause he's saying like, you saw my grandfather fuck up and you never said anything. You saw Doru fuck up and you were too scared to bring it up then. And not just That's his true. personal failings, his failings as weatherman, as he was there for mm-hmm. decades longer after he should have retired. But Hame, to his credit, mm-hmm. also said that he trusts the way that Shay has been running the weatherman's office. Mm-hmm. But public perception is important, to, is important as well. And that's what we're here to talk about. Mm-hmm. And how public perception brings down the entirety of the perception of the clan. Yeah. 
dig it. It's an interesting. It, it's it's just tough, especially given like it's it's a great rebuttal, I think, and you can really feel Hilo's ire throughout this section for even having to have this conversation to begin with, especially considering the immediate comparison to the pedophile that was Doru, given that it was all a face, it was all a mask. So, whew. so we get to chapter 28, the shortest chapter, not only of this week, but I think of the entire book, not that stupid. Barrow and Moot share a conversation with Sora Dio, having made it down from the mountain. They go on a work hiatus for a long time, and during the interim, Barrow angers Moot, but ends up making up with him. Sora Dio comes back with a strong job offer of a whispered name, but Barrow denies it in the end. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's the whole thing. It seems like a ton of information for four pages, and it kind of is, but at the same time, no fluff. No fluff. Barrow. Except for Andon. <laughs> Andon loves getting fluffed. <laughs> okay. Is that a term for <laughs> uh, it sex? Yep. It is for a blowjob. Oh, it Bluffing. is? Yeah. Oh, Bluffer. is that what the kids are saying these days? It's a porn term, actually. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yep. You whore. <laughs> I learned it from Noodrel. <laughs> Perfect. Can I Perfect. get an agenda off here, actually, before sure. we get into anything? Here's my What's question. The Green Bones, we've learned previously, had infiltrated the, the rat house, right? And that it was dangerous because there was a lot of informers there. Now we know they have a fucking smuggling problem and that the rat house still exists as an illicit training ground for new green. Why don't we just fucking crack down on the rat house, my guys? Maybe there's too much valuable information. But like you wouldn't we think one and two equals this is where they're getting their guys. They'll just find another new rat house and then they have to. I thought of that as well. Other informants in place. Well, couldn't we just like put a tail like just watch this see who comes in and out like i'm not saying we have to shut down the business because then like you said they'll just migrate it now it's a new problem we have no tabs i'm just saying like here's a i feel like we should have a better handle on this smuggling situation than we do informer spot to begin with though that's the other yeah, side of it is like thinking. yep there's yeah. some use everyone's an informer <laughs> informing mm-hmm. on everybody yeah okay there's mm-hmm. clearly something going on there's something but going on sora dio is in a really rough spot especially given the early revelations that we've seen here. He appears to be having a tough time with the business, especially after having the information about Roan, or sorry, Re coming up here. Not Re, sorry. Re was the old weatherman, a new guy. Now, Swen, yeah. Poor Sordio. There's a great deal of nervousness that Sordio expresses, and I've been trying to figure out what that might have been from it doesn't seem to like truly explicitly resolve if it's like something external, like relationship with the mountain clan or if it's like a fear of Barrow's Jade, like understanding that Barrow is, he's not a green bone, but he, he does wear a lot of Jade and is a threat. Like I'm, I'm curious where, where this nervousness comes from. Okay. Dig it. We get some passage of time, too, of course, that's happened over the course of this time. They were supposed to get their jade previously. They need to work an additional three months. 
you know, to to kind of get those rocks that they're supposed to earn. But ultimately, we we find out that that's not the way that we're going to go here. But focusing and circling on Moot and Barrow real quick, how do we feel about their revenge-driven friendship that they share? I think Moot is going to die. <laughs> I just don't think you can't live your life trying to get revenge on the makes and expect to live very long, especially when you are not green. And then Barrow's revenge to me is kind of like on the whole world. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, he has specific, like his fucked up face and his limp. Like, he does not like the makes, but I think he's smart enough to know that they can't fuck with the makes yet. Yeah, they kind of have this bond about being mad at the world and the hand that they were dealt. Yeah. Kind of cute. But Barrow's mad at the the same time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Barrow's more, yeah. Whereas Moot is very Mm -hmm. focused. On specific people. Sure. I, I love that. And I think that that is ultimately maybe heading, rolling us towards a breakup. It already feels. But this is also an interesting week for Barrow, of course. And I think that it's the first time he's actually shown, shown any sort of restraint or reason and thought throughout these couple of chapters as a as a character, as though his little bit of age is, uh, is starting to show. I particularly appreciate the fact that he actually emotionally reflected on his decision for the first time ever with Moot. You know, like the idea of like, ah, fuck, that was mean. I should be nice to him. He's my only friend. Does Pharaoh have empathy? Pharaoh is evolving. This was savvy on his part, like not getting harangued into like going after a green bone was also that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This was good. Good for him. I was like, finally, Barrow's got some brain cells that are working. Mm-hmm. A single brain cell. That's like, no green bones. I'm not finding a green bone. (laughs) He's learned some lessons. I think he's, it's not entirely like, there there is aspects of this of like self-preservation, but I think there's also a little bit of ego to it a little bit because he, the first thing he says is, I'm not taking my jade off for anything. And this would be, a mission that would require being jadeless because whoever they're attacking would be able to perceive the, the aura. So like Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of him understanding that he'd be outclassed and he's untrained and like outgunned to a certain degree. But I think there's also a little bit of like that self-conscious ego of no matter what, I do not want to be without Jade again. Yeah. Good point. I think it's more fear of being powerless again. Yeah, mm-hmm. that totally. makes sense. I think I think that both of those reasons kind of intermingle too. Is like not only you know is it going to be stolen, but also what does that mean for me in the long term? This this literally took an impossible set of risks for me to get here to begin with, and I'm not willing to surrender that. So, whose name do we think was whispered? Do you guys have any inclination, any ideas, any thoughts at all? Do you think it's a small thing? Do you think it's a big thing? Because it's not as though like the only people of whom's names are whispered are the calls, but just curious as to where your mind. I'm thinking land. it's one of the mountain sub families who have been talking to No Peak. Mm, I like that. I like that. 
either that or Shay, like feigning that the newspaper article is the retribution that Aitmata was going for and it actually being whispering her name. I could see all that right. being the answer to it. out for Shay. Pretty nice. I like, Pretty I like nice. all those rationales. Maybe it was Zapunio and that's why Sordio is so nervous. Ooh. But wow. they're a green bone, right? Zapunio? Zapunia is not a green bone, is he? How do we know? Oh, like yeah. They're going after Well, they, I think technically he doesn't wear jade. They yeah, just no, said just it was a, that there are green bones around, like the guards. Maybe. Oh, I, I interpret it as... The person was green. Yeah, the person was green. Got it. I think we don't get enough, quite enough information to for sure know that, but I think that leads us to make a ton of, like, kind of blind assumptions about, okay, well, could it be Zapunio? Could it be Shay? Could it be, you know, like you said, Cobins or one of the families. So cool. Yeah. All right. One last interesting tidbit here. Barrow's only 20 years old. In chapter 22, is that what we started with? Mm-hmm. And in also 20 years old. So it's like a huge contrast between these two young men at the same age in their lives, just how drastically different they are and how their lives are. Hmm. That's good to know. I didn't put that together. That is true. One, just as a comparison to one of whom is a fully native Kekanese person and one of whom was raised inside of a Greenbone family and split heritage between Kekon and Espenia too. So just kind of those layers and levels. Love it. That's a great, great call. And that brings us to chapter 29, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it does. Opening and closing doors. Mr. NK, the lantern man, so rudely rejected by Shay in an earlier chapter, is back on Ship Street with a new request of the weatherman's office. He would like a small loan to purchase some property in Espenia. Shay counters with an offer to grant the man even more resources than he was looking for so that he can purchase the entire development eventually. We see that her gamble with the Espenian ambassador has seemingly paid off after discussing the plans with Woon after Shay discusses the plans with Moon, that is, Marrow calls to vent about the press's treatment of Shay. We then learn that Shay is pregnant with Marrow's child, and she departs her office to visit the Temple of Divine Return to pay for a decision on how to proceed. Ultimately, she seems to come to a decision and departs the temple. What do we think about Shay's handling of the Mr. NK situation, and what it shows about how she has grown into her role? She's still got it. She's good at her job. I feel like mm-hmm. this is a good That's move. True. And I love her whole attitude the entire time after she knows like Mr. Inky came in and just talked mad shit on her to Hilo and she doesn't even bring it up. She just offers him like this great deal and it's just like very businesslike. Good weatherman shit. I think Woon had a hand in this because he's the one who was like, you can't just give away contracts willy nilly. He's definitely that kind of guy and it, it definitely has that read of an educated decision that Woon would make or like support on or advise on, not make. She's obviously making the call, but yeah, but and she, is- she definitely like exerts some, some show of power here going above and beyond what's being asked for and what is technically legally possible right now. But she has the ins on like what laws are coming forward. Mm-hmm. So like, she surprises him and in this negotiation as it as it is to a certain degree gains the upper hand a little bit 
or regains the upper hand. Yeah, and it's just, you know, the savviness of it. She has solutions seemingly like right off the bat. And then also, you know, as you touched on, Wound plays a role in this. They have that just like such a nice interplay where like he closes the folder. She's like, boom, we're ready to go. Here's the offer. And it's just like they're in mm-hmm. such concert. Can't lose him. Yeah, absolutely. Critical to the operation. Mm-hmm. And what do we think of her vision of what's to come with Espenia? You know, like that student studying abroad, that sort of paying their tuition plot she's got going on. Good stuff. Thought it was good. It is good stuff. Yeah. I said they're kind of like having to go down this road because they've made that those decisions already. So I feel like getting people more familiar with the culture is only going to benefit no peak, you know, getting more people familiar with Espinia and making that more commonplace is only going to help her standing in the clan and no peak as a whole. I think that it can also be expanded a little bit into a mutually beneficial feeder program for ambassadors of KCON for the Espenian government. As opposed to directly working with the weatherman's office on KCON, working for the weatherman's office in Espen for the Espenian government. Like I, I think it, it creates a funnel. Not right now, not the way that she's laid it out, but I think that could be an expansion of the program that she's proposed. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Or will we? Or will we? <laughs> Immediately following this business discussion, we get Marrow dropping by phone call for Shay. Very rich text to mine there, I feel like. Aaron, you have some thoughts? It felt ice cold, baby. Did feel ice cold, baby. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of brutal where she's like, I'm glad you can't feel auras over the phone. <laughs> love you too. Just oh, not she even said, no, love she you said too. me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> like if my guy I don't think you even need two jade stones for that, brother. <laughs> Please don't call me at work. <laughs> yeah. Looking bad. It was sweet though that he was checking in and was so upset that they were dragging her through the Yeah, bed. I mean he's a good boy. But then she's kinda like, you know, like I got it. Yeah, please don't bother me at work. Yeah, yeah felt, mommy is a little working. pandering to me. Yeah. <laughs> mommy is working for She's sure. Busy. All right. It, it, it was the verbal the verbal equivalent of texting back K. <laughs> yeah. Would you like, do an alarming amount for the record? No, just kidding. Jeez. I, I do. My parents do. Like my parents and I like I feel like we're kind of the exceptions to it because that's just how we've always talk to each other uh so i'm sorry that it bleeds into my conversation with you sometimes but i i genuinely don't mean it in any sort of passive aggressive way i'm sorry EJ, okay cross okay. has an evil grin for the record because this is an audio format the whole time okay <laughs> <laughs> me too pj me but, too yeah. our guy marrow you know it's got He's doing his best. And this ultimately leads to the ultimate revelation of this chapter, probably. Shay's pregnant. Sheesh. Guess she didn't steal the womb Oof. to prevent Ooh. the Dan in there. Yeah, what happened to the safe sex? 
what happened such to a good the safe job. sex. She said they took precautions. Clearly not, not enough. enough. All right. So does she have to keep it? PJ's thought about this. Uh, I can I tell. Think He's got a take coming. It seems wait, like wait, wait, wait. I, we'll I get do, in there. I do want to explore your install. Yeah. yeah. What'd you say, Erin? I said, does she have to keep it? Because she's acting like she has no choice. Oh, I feel like she. I feel like she went through the whole situation, and without saying it, she decided that she's going to terminate that pregnancy. I don't know that she can't. That they have that medical intervention. You don't think so? Can you she do channel? Can you do the localized lightning <sighs> fingers? <laughs> yeah, we bring Andon over. Oh my god! <laughs> Careful, he might miss. That's dark. That's dark, bro. That's dark. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's dark. You you both went into it at different times and hit the same note, and they were both terrifying. <laughs> but I think I just you feel know, like the way she was like panicking and in the temple of divine, she's thinking about. All, how all of the like snowball that would happen because she's she, pregnant and like it seemed to me like she she was never like considering abortion because I don't think that's maybe an option in this place not. and time. I I didn't I interpreted that totally differently. Yeah, I saw I didn't see it really as panic. I saw her as like systematically like breaking down like every single option and just like where she was at and just like logicking, like doing a full logic puzzle on the entire situation, like to lead her to the exact answer that she needed to have. And that exact answer is I cannot have this baby. You think that was where she landed? Yeah. I don't know. Also being in the temple of divine return with like radioactive levels of Jade, that can't be good for your fetus. But I also, I think to to your point, like I'm also kind of think on, thinking about this on just like a book slash story slash writing level and like, I guess what is the point of getting her pregnant if she's going to just terminate the pregnancy like in three chapters? Maybe it's just like purely about depicting that th- that process well, and like it could create conflict between her and Marrow if she told him sure that's true and they break I guess or that, if she didn't, that could like, like ruin it, it their could relationship internally okay and and i'm back even on just I'm on back Shay's on board. side create <laughs> definitely, conflict. definitely getting rid of this baby <laughs> i don't know i feel like uh, she's gonna have to like go go on a nine month trip why wouldn't they have abortions <laughs> i don't know what they have they don't I mean, have just, cell phones. Yeah, but it's like they had abortions <laughs> in the sixties. It's not a one to one. I know, I'm just saying. They have fax machines. Is she able to perceive <laughs> the hospitals. life inside of her? <laughs> I don't know. He looked apparently not. When, she had but to do a we blood don't know test. if it's yeah, that's a good point, Aaron. It's probably too Seems early. Like it's on. too early. Yeah. Good call. And the baby's not wearing jade. <laughs> Is it though? <laughs> that's the other. That's something else that I was really curious about. Is the mechanics of wearing jade and like sharing a like body touching her, yeah. with somebody else? Fo. I know that this answer comes up eventually. We talked about it like two or three weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, that's Woo! that's kind of the way I thought about it. I I felt like she was just like working out all the possibilities and was just like, mm, yep, can't do it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And it's also they, like there, she, there are a number of paths. Yeah, she thought about it like 
She's really like I I do agree like I think it's going to be ultimately the downfall of her relationship with Mero, but she's really doing it to protect him cuz my guy would just get ripped in the press if they found out who he was. Right. Yeah, it seems that could like happen he's not... anyways. It's true, but yeah. I mean, I think that she's already coming to that realization and then the baby just like cements that realization. That's why she can't say I love you. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like a baby to end the week, right? I have a question sort of based around that marrow and protecting marrow conversation, but it's almost the opposite, I guess. There, She has the thought, you know, he couldn't handle that. He's barely even green. And do we think that maybe for the first time that's like being seen Mm. as a native like is she reading that now for the first time as a derogatory that to me didn't read as like extremely rational and not like a true thought for her but i do think like i don't think that's how she truly feels but i do think in this moment when she's thinking through the situation she's like adding that stuff in as like Mm -hmm. she's making a pros and cons list yeah she's (laughs) trying to find an out (laughs) Yeah. yeah Right. If he were incredibly green, there there could right. be an argument yeah. that this was like a thing. But yeah. Yeah. I had that's just our conversation made me think yeah, that perhaps. Yeah. That was a good question. That was going on. But yeah, that's all I have. We I think hit on all my points kind of naturally. Yeah. I I love the way that this ends. I know that we left on kind of an odd note compared to a number of weeks, but I think that it leaves us in a good place with this cliffhanger of what exactly happens with the kiddo. So the question here, of course, is in what is otherwise a, a fairly dour week without a whole lot of wins. Mm. Who who won the week? Make Ken and in. Oh, oh yeah, and in and in does. Yeah, win the week you get your rocks it? off, you win the week. That's true. <laughs> I can get behind <laughs> that. I mean, yeah, I think he won the week otherwise too, for the record, in that first <laughs> chapter because he was doing better as a person. But I finally made oh, friends. We don't care about that. <laughs> A very yeah. sad. <laughs> he didn't quite fit in, but he never did. A little sad mm-hmm. boy. Sad boy done a sad boy. Just, just got constant sad boy energy. Yep. Yeah. I'm sitting here again in my Jimmy World shirt, and I'm just like, yeah, no, I totally get the sad boy angle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? Yeah. You? What? Me? Cool. I think. All right. Well, shout out Mate Ken, though. You know what I mean? Mate Ken was a good pick. I think Ben said that. Already. Ken, Someone already Mate said Ken's that. Ken's up there. Shout yeah. out my man, Mate mm-hmm. Can Man. You know, Tar constantly fucking up, being like, look at their funny hair. Mate Can just holding it down. Getting yeah. married. He's really figured it out. Hell yeah, brother. I think uh, I like that pick. I like that pick. I think it's a good second place. Cool. All right. With that, next week is our fifth episode. We're crossing the halfway point this week where we'll be reading chapters 30 through 36, which seems like it's not a lot. But it is. <laughs> so kind of excited for next week. So again, 30 through 36. So that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you again to Tim and Andrew for helping us keep the show going. Also, everybody listening, check out the show notes where you can find the schedule, Patreon, previous episodes, websites, social media accounts, secret demonic messages that Crossan leaves in there all in you one it. convenient location. I don't like that joke. Mm-hmm. Based on previous discussed things. Hey, someone's behind you, Thomas. I'm spooked out now, guys. I'm fucking scared. <laughs> <laughs> kind of look. 
I've been looking the whole like, time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, do you want to run down the Hallerpod socials? Or Aaron, whoever, whomst ever. H-O-W-L-A-R-P-O-D. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, Hallerpod.com. Email us, Hallerpod at gmail.com. Call us. I can't remember the number. Eight hundred five one four no one five four zero something like that. Eight, seven, Go listen seven, to any episode now. of Howard Pod. You'll find it. It's on there. It's a. It's like a auto voicemail, so you don't have to act to talk to anyone. So if you have phone anxiety, don't worry. It's a robot. <laughs> Actually, us. All right, and obviously it's robot versions of us. Yeah, it's us. And five stars only. Five stars only. Otherwise, if you don't give us five stars only. Then we'll rip that jade stud right out of your belly button. No, I was going to say, when you say I love you, we'll say me too. <laughs> that's that's, <tough>. that's worse. <laughs> I was going to say, damn, 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 damn. I was going to say, if you don't give us five stars only, we will answer the phone when you call. <laughs> <laughs> Anxiety 100. Also good. Also good. And of course, you can find Thomas at High Key Obsessed Pod. I need to have you put this in the I think <laughs> I don't know that there's many high key obsessed out there. So if you just search high yeah. key obsessed, high key one you'll word, and then you look for the Twilight Zone logo with a pineapple on it, you'll find me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wherever you're looking. Beyond that, of course, we are Words Whiskey Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Words and Whiskey Show, gmail.com, patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey. And we've got t shirts on T Public. Follow those links. Thank you so much for the support, and thank you guys so much for this show. I know we ran longer than intended, but I think it was worth it. Only you can tell us that. Bye. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Me too. There's someone behind you. Ah! Ah!